I worked for a few months as a park ranger with the Florida Forest Service at my local state forest. The creepiest thing I saw was a poor young man who hung himself in my second week on the job. The unexplainable, though, is obviously not as cut and dried as that. We'd have children's clothes neatly folded and left on the trails, pairs of shoes in the middle of our dense burn blocks, and just a general sense of eeriness. My first few weeks on the job, I was easily spooked, but after I got into my groove of spending hours alone in the woods, it took a lot to shake me. When the forest goes silent, pack up and move along. I was, technically, a ranger at Yosemite and passed every day through the gate along the Merced River. One day there was a commotion which caused a slowdown but didn't involve us, so we crept by, just slow enough to hear a man in anguish trying loudly to explain something. It was early summer, but the river was still raging from a solid snowpack that year, and we found out later that the guy was trying to take a picture of his wife with the torrent as a backdrop. Apparently, he'd kept telling her to back up just a bit further when she disappeared. We and the firefighting guys were tasked with finding her body. Nobody made much of a pretense that she might have survived. She turned up two months later, after the river had settled enough that we'd started swimming in it, just upstream from our swimming hole. Ugh. My cousin is a park ranger and told me this story. There was this woman who had gone missing in the forest. No big deal, it's a big place, he'll just drive around until he finds her. Four hours later, they still hadn't found her. He restrained the guy who found her and called the police. Unfortunately, there was nothing he or I could find about the subject. My cousin didn't follow up on it after they arrested the guy, so for all I know. Ten years as a park ranger here. A little late to this party, and not even sure where to start as a decade will leave you with countless stories, but I've nearly seen it all. A couple of my favorites both involve fire patrol during the summer months when we were enforcing fire restrictions. The first was a guy in a beautiful area, camped next to a lake. About 100 feet from his camp was a giant reflective yellow sign that read, no camping or fires within half mile of the lake. When approached and asked if he'd seen the sign, he admitted that he'd seen it. I asked why he was camping there and why he had a campfire. He replied that he figured he was halfway to the lake, so he should be fine. I kicked a stone into the water, and informed him that he was only about 10 feet from the lake, and I was going to need his ID, as I was going to issue him a citation. Another time, also on a late night fire patrol, we drove past a designated day use slash picnic area. This particular area had fire pits, benches, restrooms, water, it was well developed. Right outside the picnic area was this old trail that led to a bridge site where the bridge was removed. Due to this, we had placed a carsonite sign post, a slender brown fiberglass post for informative stickers slash trail markers slash warnings. This particular post had stickers on it that said area closed slash no fire slash stay on designated trails and an American flag at the bottom. We arrive at this location to find a raging fire. So big and so close to the carsonite sign that my stickers are literally bubbling and starting to melt due to the heat. I asked who wanted to be responsible for this blatant violation. The oldest guy there says he'll take responsibility for the party, then follows me to my truck and proceeds to give me his ID. In his police badge holder. He was a local police officer. I was floored. I gave him a stern lecture about reading signage and ultimately damaging government property. Endless stories though, suicides, ATV accidents, bear attacks, very sad, far too many Boy Scout violations to count, poachers, murders, public nudity, sex in public, underage everything you can imagine, life flight helicopters, forest fires, air tankers, fire crews, enough said there. But all in all, I truly miss the million-acre office. The woods, the trees, 
animal encounters, the occasional well-informed forest visitor, and the endless views, vistas, and sunsets. Getting paid to hike, mountain bike, dirt bike, motorcycles, snowmobile, jeep, and play outside for 10 years was clearly something I'll never forget. I'm a park ranger, and I have a pretty good track record for finding missing people. Most of the time, they just wander off the path, or slip down a small cliff, and they can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing, and they don't wander far. But I've had two cases where that didn't happen. Both bother me a lot, and I use them as motivation to search even harder for the missing persons cases I get called on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. He and his sister were together, and both of them went missing around the same time. Their parents lost sight of them for a few seconds, and in that time, both the kids apparently wandered off. When their parents couldn't find them, they called us, and we came out to search the area. We found the daughter pretty quickly, and when we asked where her brother was, she told us that he'd been taken away by the bear man. She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet and that he wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother, he was riding on the shoulders of the bear man and seemed calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction, but we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man, but that he was tall and covered in hair, like a bear, and that he had a weird face. We searched that area for weeks, it was one of the longest calls I've ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mom and grandpa. According to the mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest, and she'd never come back down. They waited at the base of the tree for hours, calling her name, before they called for help. Again, we searched everywhere and we never found a trace of her. I have no idea where she could possibly have gone, because neither her mother nor grandfather saw her come down. A few times, I've been out on my own searching with a canine, and they've tried to lead me straight up cliffs. Not hills, not even rock faces. Straight, sheer cliffs with no possible handholds it's always baffling, and in those cases we usually find the person on the other side of the cliff, or miles away from where the canine has led us. I'm sure there's an explanation, but it's sort of strange. One particularly sad case involved the recovery of a body. A nine-year-old girl fell down an embankment and got impaled on a dead tree at the base. It was a complete freak accident, but I'll never forget the sound her mother made when we told her what had happened. She saw the body bag being loaded into the ambulance, and she let out the most haunting, heartbroken wail I've ever heard. It was like her whole life was crashing down around her, and a part of her had died with her daughter. I heard from another SAR officer that she killed herself a few weeks after it happened. She couldn't live with the loss of her daughter. I was teamed up with another SAR officer because we'd received reports of bears in the area. We were looking for a guy who hadn't come home from a climbing trip when he was supposed to, and we ended up having to do some serious climbing to get to where we figured he'd be. We found him trapped in a small crevasse with a broken leg. It was not pleasant. He'd been there for almost two days, and his leg was very obviously infected. We were able to get him into a chopper, and I heard from one of the EMTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. He kept talking about how he'd been doing fine, and when he'd gotten to the top, a man had been there. He said the guy had no climbing equipment, and he was wearing a parka and ski pants. He walked up to the guy, and when the guy turned around, he said he had no face. It was just blank. He freaked out, and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast, which is why he'd fallen. He said he could hear the guy all night, climbing down the mountain and letting out these horrible muffled screams. That story bothered the hell out of me. I'm glad I wasn't there to hear it. One of the scariest 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Things I've ever had happened to me involved the search for a young woman who'd gotten separated from her hiking group. We were out until late at night because the dogs had picked up her scent. When we found her, she was curled up under a large rotted log. She was missing her shoes and pack, and she was clearly in shock. She didn't have any injuries, and we were able to get her to walk with us back to base ops. Along the way, she kept looking behind us and asking us why that big man with black eyes was following us. We couldn't see anyone, so we just wrote it off as some weird symptom of shock. But the closer we got to base, the more agitated this woman got. She kept asking me to tell him to stop making faces at her. At one point, she stopped, turned around, and started yelling into the forest, saying that she wanted him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him, she said, and she wouldn't give us to him. We finally got her to keep moving, but we started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us. It was almost like coughing, but more rhythmic and deeper. It was almost insect-like. I don't really know how else to describe it. When we were within sight of base ops, the woman turned to me, and her eyes were about as wide as I could imagine a human could open them. She touches my shoulder and says, he says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. I have a very small scar on the base of my neck, but it's mostly hidden under my collar, and I have no idea how this woman saw it. Right after she says it, I hear that weird coughing right in my ear, and I just about jumped out of my skin. I hustled her to ops, trying not to show how freaked out I was, but I have to say I was really happy when we left the area that night. This is the last one I'll tell you, and it's probably the weirdest one I have. Now, I don't know if this is true in every SAR unit, but in mine, it's sort of an unspoken, regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with other SAR officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors, and at this point, we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. In just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, I'm talking 30 or 40 miles, at some point we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some, and the other officer just told me not to worry about it, that it was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told, very emphatically, that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it happens so frequently. I was with a trail ranger following a search of marshland that was next to a national park. We were on vacation from the UK, where I was working at the time, and we had basically had to go out to a company outing around Christmas time, as it was when we started to party, work day off, entire company from the US offices was there. We had noticed one member of the team got drunk and basically wandered off somewhere. So we had to call rangers to find him. Luckily, we were being guided by a trail ranger. Before anyone says anything, 
Getting really drunk in a national park is never a good idea. Most of us had one or two beers and that was it. This guy couldn't really handle his drink and also had way too much of the blue can stuff people nicknamed Redneck's Finest, not sure of the particular beer, more suited to European beers in pint glasses rather than this canned stuff. We didn't find him for a while, to the point where it got dark, like really dark. So we had to get flashlights to look for the guy. After searching for many hours, we managed to get a search team together. After several hours, it felt like someone was following me, alone, in a national forest with only a mobile to contact us, so basically I got lost looking for the guy. Panic started to set in because I didn't know where the trail ranger had gone a few miles beforehand. So alone, no idea where I was in marshland, walking on soil, a few tall trees in the distance. Along the way, I hear what sounds like footsteps, muddier, like someone was walking behind me in the marsh. Turn the flashlight to face the noise. It stops. Continue walking. Hear it again, stop, turn around, point the flashlight, and it stops. To get really nervous. It happens again. I get a sudden sense of dread, so I shoot off running. I manage to reach the trees in the distance, my heart pounding. I ran into the guy we were searching for, along with a trail ranger, saying he had managed to track him. He asked me what happened to me. He told me that the place in the marsh was infested with alligators and that's the sound they make when they creep up on people. I was either very brave or very stupid to walk there because people have been grabbed by them before. We managed to make it back to the hotel with the guy slurring his words and still very drunk. The park ranger congratulates me on my balls for braving marshland. In reality, I didn't know and wouldn't have gone there if I had known. I still think about how differently it might have ended if I had known about the alligators. The noise is there when they creep up on you, but when alligators see flashlights, they sometimes stop in the dark. I never knew that. It's apparently a thing. During high school and college summers, I worked for the Pike National Forest in Woodland Park, Colorado. Trail maintenance for AT Vair, dirt bikers, hikers, bikers, etc. An amazing summer job. One summer, when I was like 18, we were driving around patrolling on a rainy day, and we noticed a car with its windows down about 20 feet off the main road. We thought nothing of it, and headed back. When it was still there the next two days after it had been raining all week, we stopped to check it out. On the car's front driver's seat are the keys to the car, a wallet, an ID, and a few bucks in cash. On the passenger seat was a note. I opened it, and I'll never forget what it said, tell me again what it's like to feel anything except being cold. Yeah, we called the law enforcement officers, and they found him hung on a branch a few hundred feet away from the car. 12 years later, and it still haunts me sometimes. So my dad is a forestry technician and this happened to one of his co-workers. They were up to some sort of job in the very most northerly part of Ontario. Anyway, it was in the middle of the night and she was half asleep when she vaguely heard something outside her tent. Then she felt something push against her tent and the zipper slowly open. She opened her eyes and saw the head of a polar bear in her tent. Polar bears are far from the cuddly toys that you see, and they are known to be super aggressive and will hunt and eat people. She lay there paralyzed with fear, thinking that it was the end, and then slowly, the bear retracted its head and left. A kind of creepy thing happened to me when I was a student forester this summer. So, the forest I was working in was about 20 kilometers from the nearest town, which contained around 1,200 people, and we usually set out for whatever task we had to do in the forest at around 7 a.m. So we are in the forest at around 7.30 a.m. and we are about 12 kilometers up the road when we turn a corner very slowly and see what I initially thought to be a weird-looking bush or statue, but it was in fact a person, 
sitting on a carved out stump on the side of the road, just sitting there. What really threw me off was the fact that this person had a parka on and a balaclava underneath it in the middle of summer. We drove by this person real slowly and he lifted a hand to wave slowly as we drove past, and it was just super creepy. I never saw them again after that, but it did make going out on excursions a little more uneasy sometimes when alone. I am an Eagle Scout who used to camp a lot for scouting. A lot of the reservations have tons of random semi-feral dogs that just roam and are not aggressive. I dunno, maybe the rangers have a lot of dogs that they let roam free. Some are more shady than others, and some will come up and let you pet them or beg for your food. Also, there are coyotes that you can hear calling out nightly from 2am to about 4am, intermittently. Anyways, it was not uncommon to wake up in the middle of the night to what I wanted to hope was just the dogs sniffing at you from outside of the tent and poking the outside of the tent with their noses. I never found any footprints to show what it was, probably because the ground was hard and leaves covered all the loose dirt on the ground. Not paranormal, but still unsettling to know that either a random dog or coyote was checking you out in the middle of the woods at night. As I was on a cadet weekend six or so years ago at Thetford Training Ground, East Anglia, UK. It has been a training ground for a good century and a bit, so lots of history in the area. However, I haven't found much evidence of any notable haunting in the area. I had a really good time, but a few slightly weird things happened, which no one was able to explain. There are no large native animals other than the occasional fox or badger, but they tend to stay away due to the nature of the exercises, military, so there is gunfire. Diverse landscape for England, with open spaces, pine trees, with large open clearings, shrubs dotted across the place, etc. Five of us cadets were on patrol through the pine tree covered areas on the outskirts of a big, plain clearing, around 3 square km. The only distinguishable feature was a large mound in the middle of this clearing. Anyway, one of us shouts a stand to and, in excitement and slight confusion as to what he could have seen, we all eagerly take a position. I lay there with my rifle pointed in the same general direction as everyone else, looking for the threat. Nko then tells us how he saw a figure on top of the mound and that it was probably the sergeant testing us. So we vigilantly go over there and lo and behold, there is no one. I remember the NCO who was only 16. I was about 13 at the time very creeped out. Thirteen-year-old me was slightly amused but mainly just ecstatic at being out in the woods with no adults and with rifles, no magazines though, ha! Could he have been messing with us? Of course, but something tells me he probably wasn't. Later on, we set up camp in a lightly forested area and go on sentry duty. I took one of the first looks and felt very creeped out, as if I was being watched. I had my rifle with me, giving me a weird sense of confidence, so I brushed it off and lay there for a few hours. Later on in the night, another sentry orders a stand to and we all hear rustling in the bushes. It's pretty loud and we're all a little spooked. The adults go and investigate and come back, telling us it's a rogue sheep from a nearby farm. Anyway, Fast forward to the bus back and they tell us they never found the exact cause of this noise but didn't want to scare us by admitting that last night. One of the adults also told me later that she's always found that ground creepy. This woman is tough as nails and never seemed to be scared of anything, but she did admit that she once walked back to camp at night and swore she was being followed by footsteps that stopped when hers did. She really never took any jokes well and did not have much of a sense of humor, but still, maybe she was messing with us all along and this was an elaborate prank, but she was not the sort to do this. Not overly creepy, but still a little out of the ordinary. Last year, I went camping in early spring with some people at a pretty remote place. At Wadigan's National Park, there weren't many people around, and it was a really nice area. Two days into our camping trip, 
One of my friend's camp chairs broke and we went through all our stuff looking for cable ties. We searched tents and the cars, but we had no cable ties. So we just left it. That night, I woke up to my tent shaking slightly, so I woke up my boyfriend next to me. We opened the tent and it was one of my friends. My friend was in a panic, saying he couldn't breathe and that something was choking him. So we shot up with a torch and, shining it on his neck, we found two black cable ties tied around his neck. They were tight enough for them to be cutting off some of his airways. After we were able to cut off the cable ties, we went back to sleep, we did not sleep easily that night. The next morning, we asked my friend about it, like if anything in his tent seemed out of the ordinary. He said when he woke up that night, his tent was open. A fish and wildlife officer told me that one time they were dispatched to a house on an Indian reservation in northern Canada. They were told that a guy was complaining of a Bigfoot shaking his trailer. They went there and they came upon some elderly people of the reservation brushing off and hiding tracks with branches. They consider the Bigfoot to be a spiritual creature. They have stories from back in the old days of run-ins with them. They are even on old totem poles. I also worked with a guy who reenacted fur trade days at old forts. He would get dressed up in his little Davy Crockett costume and act in front of school kids and such. He knew everything about Canadian history and said that back in the old days, Indians talked about creatures that lived in the rivers and they drew pictures to show what they looked like. They drew crocodiles. I worked in a forest for a couple of years. I think it was when I was volunteering before I was given a job that my boss, another volunteer, and I were out in a more groomed part of the forest for public use. There had been a school group earlier, and one of us noticed a hoodie on one of the benches. I would have ignored it, but my boss said we should take it with us. Someone might come back for it. We go over, the boss picks it up, looks at the outside, some have team logos, checks the tag for a name, maybe a parent wrote one, nope. The boss says, nice shirt. Shame a kid would forget it like this and is checking out the material, then she yells and drops it. What? Look at the sleeve. I pick it up and look in hundreds of spiders. I guess that thing had been there for a while, which explains why it was big for a kid. The creepiest thing that happened to me. I work at a summer camp that takes kids on canoe trios for a few days at national parks. One night, after setting up camp and quenching the fire, I was doing one last check of the campsite. I looked at the lake and saw this lone man paddling a canoe. I thought it was pretty strange, but it's not out of the ordinary. The only weird thing being that he was alone. He waved, so being the polite Canadian I am, I waved back. I went to bed in the staff tent and everything was normal. I had a bit of trouble sleeping that night, so I decided to go stargazing, as that usually calms me down. I exit the tent and see this man at our campsite, looking through our tarps and bags. For what I don't know, maybe drugs or food, but that's not important. This stranger is one of the campers I am responsible for. We make eye contact and this guy stands up. He is tall as all hell and I am quite short, so I quickly grab the first thing I can think of. A can of bear mace this stuff is meant to kill a charging bear, so I hold it ready to spray and tell him to get out of my campsite. We don't really speak just like, oh, I didn't see, you guys. When he is leaving, I immediately wake up the other staff and we make sure he leaves. We use our SAT phone to call park rangers with our position, the guy's characteristics, and tell them the story. Without a doubt, the scariest moment I had on the job was I've learned not to fear animals, as for the most part, they are predictable, dumb, and not malicious. But people, on the other hand, are the scariest and most dangerous thing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To encounter out in the wilderness as a person. I'm a native Alaskan who grew up in the sticks. Once, I was out hunting with my uncle. Well, I was there, anyway, I was eight at the time. We'd been trying to find a small moose for quite some time. We'd seen it take off into the forest across a field. Everything seemed normal, except that the area was very quiet. Then again, we're two humans walking about, so we figured maybe the wildlife was just being cautious. Well, eventually we caught up to it at another clearing, and my uncle decided to take a shot, as it was getting later and we needed to get it skinned, gutted, and butchered before the sun went down. He hit it in the heart, and it only managed to stumble maybe another 60 feet to the edge of the forest. I complimented his shot, and we grabbed our gear and walked over. Now, before I tell you this next part, keep in mind that moose weigh in the thousands of pounds, generally. We're getting closer, and my uncle can't see the moose anymore. Weird because we'd seen it fall, and we knew it had been hit mortally. We arrive at the location, and the thing is, gone. My uncle started to enter the forest and all my hair suddenly raised on my entire body and I made a whimper. I'm not a wuss, but I had a bad feeling. My uncle looks at me, annoyed and confused, and just maybe 30 feet away, we hear heavy breathing. The first thing we think is grizzly, so he pushes me behind himself and gets his gun ready and shouts as loud as he can. I don't know what it was, but it dropped moose from at least a couple feet off the ground. We know because we heard the loud thud, and tears off running in the other direction. It is dark in the understory, so we don't see much, but my uncle decides the thing can have the moose. We weren't about to stick around to find out what could lift a whole moose into the air and carry it. I'm not a ranger, but I did used to live near a national forest, and when I was in high school I had my mom drive me into the woods so I could take some photos on a trail for a photography assignment. She waited in the car while I headed down the trail, saying I wouldn't be long. It's actually really pretty, and it leads down to a river, and you can walk along the edge as it turns around a bend. As I was walking, I distinctly remember feeling like I was suddenly in danger and like something was watching me. I was wearing an orange rain coat, so I was pretty visible. I didn't have my glasses on, 
but as I looked over the river to the other side of the bank, I saw something really tall and gray making its way through the trees toward the river. I have never been so scared. I went into survival mode and made it back up the trail to my mom's car, where I told her what happened. It's still one of the freakiest things I've ever experienced. I wish I got a photo, but I was a 16-year-old, 90-pound girl and was freaked the F out. Not a ranger. Shocker. One summer, my boyfriend and I drove up and down California and just slept in the back of his truck. One day, we went to the Emerald Pools near Lake Tahoe and crashed at a public campground nearby. There was maybe one other person there, as well as the campground host. In the middle of the night, I woke up and just had a creepy feeling. I sat up and realized that the passenger door of the truck was swung wide open. We had locked ourselves in the bed with the camper shell and you had to unlock it from the inside to get in and out. I'm a nervous Nelly, as my boyfriend calls me, and I always made sure doors were closed and locked before bed. I was so freaked out for the rest of the night that I could barely sleep. I'm not a ranger but an avid camper. We were camping along the Sunshine Coast in the lower mainland of British Columbia. It was the off-season, so there were not too many campers in the area, and we were on some beautiful land, lush, jungle-like forested areas right beside the ocean. I hear WHOE exclamation mark as right before dusk, right behind our tent, we were camping with literally no other people. Loud as possible. I woke the F up real quick and asked my husband if he heard that and what he thought that was. He says, do you want me to be honest with you? Uh yes? I think it was a Sasquatch, and I'm like, no way, there's just no way. I started thinking about all the animals in the area and the different calls they would make. I'm a pretty avid camper and live in the country, so I do recognize the calls of different animals. Cougar? Bear? No, nope. Owl? Nope. I didn't go to sleep and kept the knife in my hand for another hour before the sun came up, while I was on my phone googling what Sasquatch sounds like. I know there's a ton of conspiracy around this, but we did find a recording of a supposed Sasquatch that sounded similar to what we heard. I can't find it now. I'll keep looking. We went into town later that day and told a local, and he was like, yeah, lots of sightings around here. The natives even have totems dedicated to them. When I was a kid in the Colorado Rockies, I used to take my horse and the whole band of dogs we had, two labs, an Aussie and a Dachshund, to our pond by my grandparents' place. I decided it was a great idea to venture the back way through the thicker part of the pine forest. I knew the way and so did the animals, the horse included. About five minutes from the house, I was oblivious to the world and didn't notice that the dogs were no longer with me. When I finally decided to come back to the real world and notice the missing dogs, I turned back since you don't go anywhere without them, they were basically my guardians and supervisors up there. I get about halfway back to the house, come up a small gully heavily filled with pines, and there is this huge tom, cougar, just staring at me, right in the path. I was eight at the time, a little guy and a tasty morsel for this animal. Luckily, I had the horse, who upon seeing the animal immediately bolted directly back to the pasture. The cat seemed to run after us, didn't really watch. We roll up into the drive, head towards the pasture, and I agree that this ends my adventures for the day. After I put the horse up, the dogs find me again, and we are walking back to the house when they get real jumpy and timid. I stop and begin to look around. There is a large, old pine splitting the distance between the pasture and the house, and on the lowest branch, I see that damn Tom again. Luckily, the presence of the dogs deterred any action, but I made it a point to pass far away from the tree, and as calmly as I could, I told my grandpa what happened. He goes outside, rifle in hand, and never finds the bastard. To this day, 
I never venture out without a dog or a weapon, just in case. All right, obligatory, not a ranger, but here goes. I was in the forest, camping out in the lovely forests of Jersey. We set up camp and we're all chatting in our tents, so we left the fire up so we could tell some great scary stories. All was going well until we heard a rustling in a bush. This is a textbook scary story. We all think it's one of our friends who hasn't come back from the potty break, but just as the bush was rustling, we see the outline of a person circling our tent. We call out for our friend but a random person does not answer and at this point, he stops in place. We all start getting freaked out as the person we see from outside could not possibly be our friend due to the height difference. One of the members of the group lies, saying that we are armed and will kill him. A good minute goes by before we all hear what I can only describe as the most shrill scream I have ever heard, and the dude just gets up and leaves. The creepy part about this is that our friend who was out to the restroom says he heard a scream but saw no one around the camping area or even footprints of where the man should have been. We were also pretty deep into the woods as well, so it's not as if anyone who was just passing by could have found us, at least not easily. My grandpa had a hunting buddy in the 70s who was basically a hermit in the woods of the Pacific Northwest. He was staying with him in his cabin deep in the Cascade Mountains during a hunting trip. No running water, no electricity. Miles away from the nearest town or paved road. His cabin was built on stilts and on an incline. It had a 10-feet balcony from the base of the stilts with no stairs or ladder to climb up on. My grandpa claims that he knew this man for a long time and said that he didn't have the personality to lie. I've also known my grandpa to never be one for BS. One night, during the trip, they were relaxing at the cabin after a hunt, and his buddy told him that Sasquatch was in the area and to be careful going out at night. My grandfather chuckled and said nothing. His friend then put on a very serious face and grabbed a few pieces of fruit, bread, and jerky and placed them in a bowl. He took the bowl out onto the balcony and set it on the edge, saying it'll be empty in the morning, and then went to bed. It was an open floor single room cabin, about 300 square feet my grandpa had a cot set up near the balcony window and was woken up in the middle of the night by rustling outside. He peeped through the window and saw the bowl, empty and to this day still claims he saw four fingers resting on the edge of the balcony just before letting go. He never went hunting in that area again. My dad spoke to a Chinese woman who lived as a forest survey person up in the mountains for the past 30 or so years, this was in Canada about five years ago, as an unofficial sort of person the government asked about when looking for forest fires or any sort of illegal stuff. She says that she spotted multiple Sasquatch and that they are quite intelligent and just don't want to interact with people, not even the young ones, but if she's out there they're pretty chill about it because she grew up around that area and remembers seeing them from a young age. She had a totally straight face, and my dad said she was one of the most rational people he'd seen out there. He owned a strip of gold claim out that way at the time and she said if he knew what was good to leave that land alone because digging it up would disturb a lot of stuff in the area and she wasn't sure it was a good idea. My dad wasn't so sure until he swore up and down that he saw one himself, and she said that's the female one and just went inside and left him out there to take the F off running. Back when we were about 14, my friends and I went up to stay at our buddy's family farm in rural New Hampshire. There's not much up there besides farmland and miles of deep woods. It was around midnight, and we had just spent a few hours messing around. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Smoking cigars and building a bonfire in one of the cow pastures. To get back to the house from the pasture, you needed to walk about half a mile through the woods and across another field, and the kid's dad had a tradition of messing with us on our way back. The usual routine was waiting on the porch and shooting Roman candles at us as we crossed the field. We started walking back, and as we emerged from the path, we started hearing loud rustling noises in the trees along the edge of the field about 70 yards away. We all ran into the middle of the field and hit the deck smiling, thinking my buddy's dad was about to start shooting fireworks at us. After about five minutes of the intermittent leaf rustling and no Roman candles, our smiles were gone, and we started debating if it was a black bear or some other big animal. The rustling was distinctly the sound of footsteps, and would pick up and suddenly stop as if someone was running from tree to tree. Thruly freaked out, my buddy pulls out his cell phone and calls the landline at his house. He stands up and walks a little in the direction of the house while my other friend and I stay laying down, staring in the direction of the noises. Suddenly, something runs out of the tree line. I will never forget this image for as long as I live. We were still about 50 yards away and there was only a crescent moon out, so there wasn't much light to make out fine details, but we watched as this inhumanly tall thing strode across a portion of the field and then back into the trees. It was skinny, with disproportionately long limbs, and in the dark, appeared to be a solid light gray-slash-white color. As it ran, its incredibly long arms and legs swung in this disturbingly unusual way, and it appeared to be moving much faster than it should have been. As fast as it had appeared, it had gone back into the forest. My friend and I looked at each other in silent horror. We stand up, ready to make it back to the house. My other friend walks back over to us, oblivious to what we just saw. His dad picked him up. He said he'd been in bed for an hour. Without saying anything, me and my friend who witnessed it started sprinting for our lives back to the house. The other friend follows suit. We make it back, lock all the doors and recount what we saw to the other friend and his dad. None of us slept that night. When we went downstairs in the morning, my friend's dad, whose bedroom was on the ground floor, told us how throughout the night he heard something banging on the side of the house and windows and claimed he went out several times with his shotgun to find nothing. We thought he was just messing with us at the time, but to this day, he stands by that story. So we're at this camper near the Dover Lights in Arkansas. It's not the fanciest campsite, but we managed to find this guy that spends a lot of time out there, as much as legally allowed, while also working, and apparently making a lot of cash, so he just vacations in the woods half the year. The guy offers to let my friend watch the place while he goes to visit his son. My friend automatically invites me and some other people to come hang out, and we spend a few days there drinking, smoking, fishing, and messing around. All in all, pretty okay, until my female friend gets super drunk and barges outside in the middle of the night buck naked to eat beans by the handful out of a cold pot. As someone who admires cleanliness, I follow her out and try to make sure she doesn't hurt herself while everyone else just laughs. So there she is covered in beans and I'm trying to convince her to settle down and clean herself off with a towel when suddenly her head shoots up like a deer in headlights. She just glares at the trees around us, we're alone and it's pitch black, before literally growling and then sprinting into the woods. I have no idea what to do. I've completely lost sight of her, and she's naked in the woods by herself. A few failed attempts to call out to her and I did the stupidest thing I could have done by following her. About 5 meters into complete darkness, I look down and see a faint light from someone's phone. Picking it up, I see it's in camera mode and there are pictures of us very recent pictures, all in creepy night vision mode, with some looking like they were taken from the window of the camper, and the last one is of my friend running directly towards the camera. Realizing what happened, 
I deleted the pictures and dropped the phone on a rock, crushing the screen with my foot. Still unable to find her and freaking out, I doubled back to the camper for help, only to find her still very drunk in a lawn chair, naked. Carrying her back inside, I let her boyfriend towel her off and they both passed out, spooning on the bottom bunk. I never told them what really happened, and she didn't remember it in the morning. But I did lock the door and wake up every hour just to keep an eye on things. There are some mountains behind a small town near where I used to work in the Arizona desert. One night, a good friend of mine and I decided to say F it and actually hike up the mountain after work. Since I used to work mid-shift, this takes place at like 1 in the morning. I know, I'm an idiot. Anyway, we stay up there and have a real bro to bro conversation about the past. While he's telling me about his ex, I swear, even to this day, I heard someone whisper right into my ear. I asked him if he had whispered anything, and he declined. I just shook it off as weird. About an hour later, he interrupts me and has me turn around. I see nothing. I look back and ask him, what? He said he saw what looked like an orange fuzzy ball that moved quickly before disappearing. This really freaked him out, but even with my previous whisper experience, I thought it was just mother nature playing games. Anyway, we finally decide that it's time to go, and just as we get to my truck, things get super weird. I sit down, open the passenger side door for my friend, and I see what I can only describe as an orange fuzzy ball floating very quickly to the left. It disappeared once it got behind my friend. At the same time I witnessed this, my friend, who is an emotionally tough guy, begins screaming his lungs out. He literally hops into my truck and tells me to get out of there. I tell him about the fuzzy ball once we leave, and he just goes, huh. He then goes on to tell me that after I open the door, he looked down and saw, and I quote, shadowy dog-like legs underneath the truck, as if it was laying down. We both nervously chuckled it off, and that's when I noticed the time. 3 AM. The witching hour had just passed. I never believed it beforehand, but that experience has made me rethink it. I was with my girlfriend in upstate New York, in New Windsor, I think. It's a really small trail, probably 45 minutes to complete the whole thing. But ran into some real creeps towards the end. In the middle of the trail, there's this watchtower you can climb and it's above the tree line. My girlfriend and I climb it and spend about 10 minutes up there. Then we hear some footsteps on the ladder. I look down, and there are two young men climbing up with machetes slung across their backs. I don't panic but my girlfriend starts freaking out. We are completely alone in the middle of this trail, just us two and our new visitors. Now, the watchtower viewing area at the top is maybe 20 square feet, so not a whole lot of room for four people. So I have my girlfriend standing behind me while these two guys come up and are acting all casual. For a couple minutes, not a word is said as these two young guys are just casually looking out above the tree line. I decide to break the silence and ask them what they're doing out here, and one of them says, we come out here pretty often looking for people. His tone was trying to be intimidating, but I could just tell that it was somewhat fake, either these two guys were just trying to scare us, or they were toying with us. I replied with a joke, oh, you must have hid the bodies really well. And everyone, except my girlfriend, who is still behind me, laughs. We spent a few more minutes up there. I am getting pretty nervous because no words are being said. All I'm doing is watching their hands to see if they make a move for their machete. Then, they both make their way down the watchtower. Not a goodbye. Nothing. My girlfriend and I watched them run off of the trails and into the woods. We discussed how weird it was. And how they were just trying to scare us. We decide that we are going to climb down and sprint our way to the car. We wound up getting to the car and getting out of there. My girlfriend tells me that she actually knew one of the kids, they went to the same high school, I was about 20 at the time, 
She was 22. She tells me how he was one of those kids that was weird and got bullied in school and all those great attributes that you hope to see in a guy with a machete in the middle of the woods. And how my girlfriend was one of the people who bullied him. A few years back, when I was around the age of 14 and my brother was 9, my dad, my little brother, and I all went out deer hunting in the afternoon right before sundown. While we were walking through the woods, before we even got started, my little brother tugged on my arm and asked me if I saw that. I said that it was probably his imagination and he let go of my arm. A few minutes later, I couldn't hear him walking behind us anymore, and turned around to find him gone. I quickly told my dad and we looked for him for, at least, half an hour. When he walked over out of nowhere towards the both of us, he was covered in mud like he'd fallen somewhere. I worriedly asked where he'd gone, and he just stared at me, telling me that he couldn't remember and thought that he had never left. He acted normally afterwards, just as if nothing had happened. I don't know if this is really scary to anyone else, but it shook my entire family, including myself, quite a bit. To answer a few of your questions, several of you have been asking whether or not he could tell or show me where he had been, and the answer is no. As I said, although I hadn't specified, so that might have been on me, he told me that he couldn't remember a thing. Not what happened, not why he was covered in mud, not why he had walked away in the first place, nor that he had walked away at all. The only thing that he said he could recall was walking a few steps away from us after seeing a doe from behind him, and that's it. He told me that he genuinely hadn't remembered walking away from us and acted like no time had passed. Also, one of you had asked how muddy it was. I distinctly remember that we had several flood warnings and heavy rains before then, but it wasn't like knee-deep mud. It was the middle of autumn, and I recall being irritated by the mud and leaves stuck to my boots. He wasn't drenched in mud after we found him, but his knees and the palms of his hands were coated in it, along with having a few splotches here and there on his clothes. I had one other question about whether or not I asked him what he saw in the first place. He had initially told me after the entire event that he had seen a glimpse of a tall person standing next to a tree, which I, to be completely honest, doubted. I also had one hell of an imagination and was very paranoid, which I believe was passed down from my mother to the two of us. Lastly, someone had asked how I had found him. I'm not sure if that's the right way to word it. Anyways, all three of us had been walking north, and later on, when I did find him, he had trotted out of the woods, avoiding trees from the west. Before he had gotten to me, he hadn't really spoken, until I ran up to him and hugged him asking if he was okay. I hope this answers most of the questions you had. Not my story, but my younger sister's, early 20s. She was in Colorado last year and went hiking with her friend. The plan was to hike up the mountain, stop midway to camp, and then finish the hike the next morning. They started their hike and stopped for camp midway. She said it started dumping rain that night, which meant the top would most likely be snow. The next morning, they continued their hike, but it started getting complicated. Her friend only wore Chaco sandals and not proper hiking boots, as they didn't expect the snow. They stopped at a creek and were deciding if they wanted to turn back on account that they weren't prepared properly when they heard a faint help me. They both stood still. They heard it again. They decided to follow the woman's voice up the creek. They got to a clearing that was covered in snow and found a woman laying in it in basic athletic clothing, leggings, a light pullover jacket, and athletic shoes. My sister said her legs were swollen, discolored, and had nasty cuts on them. My sister asked her how long she had been out there, and the woman said only a few hours. My sister was like, okay, we need to get you down this mountain. The woman was like, no, I need to go up the mountain. That's where my car is parked. My sister was like, no, there is no driving access at the top of the mountain, which was a sign that this woman was confused. 
They got her down the mountain and my sister just kept saying how confused this woman was. They get to the bottom and they find this woman's car. My sister couldn't get cell service to call 911 during this, BTW. Anyways, my sister tells this woman she's going to drive her to the hospital, but the woman says she would just like to go back to her bed and breakfast. My sister takes her there while driving this woman's car. Once the woman is at the bed and breakfast, she thanks them and goes in. My sister spoke to the owners and was like, you have to call a medic. She is severely confused and not acting normal. They call a medic and transport her to a hospital. Turns out this woman is from Chicago, has low blood pressure, and it was her first time ever hiking a mountain, she was also alone. She had passed out during her hike, then it dumped snow on her. She was hypothermic and only thought she'd been out for a few hours she was out overnight in the dark, cold, and alone. I couldn't imagine the terror she must have felt. Anyway, my sister went and saw her at the hospital, and the woman thanked her for saving her life. They still keep in touch lightly.